that's a really pathetic Halloween <laughs> opening. <laughs> to I should have got Nelson the dog to do the howl. You should have got Nelson in. Yeah, oh, you should have wow. done. Fail. Oh, failing yeah. already. But yeah, it's uh, it's October. Ooh, spooky, which spooky. means it's it's spooky. Halloween. Spooky so welcome to our Halloween She Watchables podcast. Yay! And completely We're back to the third episode. Our third. Who they, they said it wouldn't last. So. Completely out of character for us, we've gone for a horror film, haven't we? Mm-hmm. A very, very horrifying horror film. It is quite horrifying. Do you want to introduce it? Uh, yeah, uh, this is such a scary horror film that Betty has had to watch it only during daylight hours so she doesn't give herself nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> it is a film about a virus being released in the UK. And we follow a handful of survivors 28 days later. And what's the film called? <laughs> Funny enough, <laughs> 28 days later. <laughs> it is. It's, um, yeah, we'll come back to all the COVID uh, references later on. But <laughs> yeah, about 10 minutes into rewatching it, I thought it might not be the best idea we ever had, but, uh, yeah, you know. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it's given me a whole new level of anxiety about watching the film. <laughs> Definitely. So it's 2002, this film. No, 18 years old. It's 18 years old. And I would say, do you know, I'm, I'm going to go straight in with, uh, has it dated? I absolutely Sadly, think no. not. Yeah. <laughs> There's, because it's a British film, um, they've not spent a ton on the um, special effects and they've had to uh, be quite creative with them. So I don't mm -hmm. think any effects uh, that there are haven't dated. Yeah. Um, the 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 makeup and the prosthetics and all that are, are wonderful. Yeah. So it really hasn't dated one bit, has it? I I don't think so. In eighteen. No. The the only dated thing I picked out of the whole film was the Pepsi can design. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good Maltesers point. Maltesers look the same. They do. Yeah, but yeah, it's not dated in in pretty much every sense other than Pepsi can design. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed uh, when, when he wakes up, at the, we're skipping to the end here, but when he wakes up in the farmhouse in the end, um, mm -hmm. he's got proper 70s bedclothes. I remember yeah. having those stripy bedclothes. Many oh, people oh, will oh. remember having those stripy coloured bedclothes, but I think that's just because it's an old cottage. It's certainly yeah. not contemporary to the, uh, the time that the film was made. But, mm -hmm. yeah, 18 years old and, yeah, it might have been made yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it was directed by Danny Boyle, written by Alex Garland, and it's about a viral pandemic of rage. It is not, repeat not, a zombie movie. Yeah. It, it was very, it, they were quite insistent about that at the time, I seem to remember. It still terrifies me like it's a zombie movie, though. It's got similar zombie tropes, hasn't it? But it, yeah. yeah, they are infected and not, uh, and not zombies. It's got yeah. an IMDb score of 7.6. Not bad. I think it's pretty good. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think I probably first saw it at Cineworld in St. Helens. Which is no longer with us, of course, at the moment. Oh, I know. I I think I bought it on DVD. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Really? Why? That's not like you. <gasps> I don't know why. I think, um, I mean, I think I bought it like when it was released on DVD. Right. So I think it was just something that I wanted to watch, never got to the cinema to see it. I'd heard it was so good and then went and purchased it, you know, because the case, the front cover of the case looks so inviting. 
It does. Yeah, it does. Terrifying. I've got it um, <laughs> Listeners can't see it, but so yeah, just just decided to to traumatize myself for a couple of hours with the film. But I, I, I you know, I'm scared of it. I love it. I've watched it loads, but it, yeah, scary film. What was the it atmosphere is. in the cinema like watching it? Do you remember? Yeah, I think it, yeah, there were definitely some jumps. I know, I remember there being more jumps the first time around. Yeah. Because I think that's the, the, the good thing. Um, the, my next question is, is it rewatchable and why or why not? And I think the good thing for scurdy cats like us is uh-huh. that if you rewatch a horror film, you can brace yourself for the jump scares. Yeah, a Whereas in bit. the cinema the first time, I remember that first, the, the zombie, sorry, I said zombie. We should oh. have some kind of swear jar for every time we use the Z word. <laughs> With the infected person that comes through the window. Well, I remember when that happened and everyone jumped. That was, yeah, that was quite scary. But on yeah. repeated viewings, you can brace yourself, can't you? And you can also look away during the, uh, the more gruey bits. Yeah, you can. But then, um, well, I watched it a few times when, when I first bought it. And then I would say it's got to be at least 10 years since I last watched the film, at yeah. least. So re-watching it this time for the podcast was like watching it again. <laughs> there were so many bits in it that I'd completely forgotten about, like quite early on in the film when he goes into the church. and I'd forgotten about that, hello, actually. And then he looks around and all of a sudden, through all those dead bodies on the floor, there's suddenly like a person stood up staring at him looking yeah. like crazed and it's like, oh, <laughs> terrifying. It started. Definitely. Yeah, so... Um... Yes, it is rewatchable. You can brace yourself mm-hmm. for the for the scary bits. Um, yeah. And I think as well, on watching it again, you realise how much else there is in it, apart from just the scary stuff. I mean, and I don't think either of us are massive horror fans, so apologies to anyone who might be listening to this who does know anything about horror. You know, we, yeah. we're very much novices <laughs> in yeah. this genre. I'm a softie, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but most horror... Well, let me say, good horror films tend to be about something else, don't they? Mm. They're not just about the horror and the grue and all that kind of business. They've always yeah. got some kind of subtext, haven't they? And certainly, mm. and I'm allowed to say it here, a lot of zombie movies do have subtext, don't they? Yeah. Um, the Romero films, which I, I haven't seen. And I meant to, I wanted to try and watch one or two for this podcast, but they, they weren't readily available. But I need to get around oh. to doing that. But you've got that subtext there, haven't you, with good horror films. And with this, I think you have got the whole thing about um, who's the bad guys. Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. the real bad guys. It's making a social statement, this film, it's definitely. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think something that I didn't pick up on until I, I listened to the commentary is Jim's looking for a father figure. Oh. Yeah. And I never really got that. But right. Um, there are a couple of bits in it, like when he's having that bad dream, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and Frank comes over and tells him, you know, it's okay, it's just a nightmare, and he says, oh. "Thanks, Dad," um, and oh, you hardly yeah. you hardly catch it, but obviously yeah. he's just lost his parents in a pretty nasty way. And yeah, he's looking for it, and then Frank's his father figure, and then when he goes to um, when they go to the barracks, and Christopher Eccleston's character is speaking to him, he ruffles his hair like his dad. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. think, oh, yeah, there's all that extra, you know, all those extra bits and pieces in there that you don't really notice first time round. Mm-hmm. And I even think the, the title is clever because 
It's 28 days after, you know, the, the big incident, the, the, yeah. the initial infection. Yeah. Um, but it means there's 28 days between our main two protagonists. Yeah, true. He's kind of fresh to it all. Yeah. And Selena yeah. is very much, she's a month into this. Yeah. And she's gone through some stuff. Some serious um, stuff. Yeah. And then they kind of switch story arcs at the end, or character arcs, I should say, at the end by the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah, I did like a little sort of character arc, well, character circle for Jim's character development. Circle, and it's yeah. like he starts off as a victim and he's helpless. And then he is found by Mark and Selena and he sort of starts to accept the situation that he's in. Then he realises he's, yeah, okay, this is a bad situation and you can see the fear, you can see that he's so scared. And then he becomes, like, kind of angry at that point where they're um, travelling up to Manchester mm-hmm. and they stop off to get some fuel from the tanker and he's just, he's just angry. He's just yes. really angry and he goes into that calf like, That's for a right. fight. Yeah. For a serious yes. And it's like, that's kind of the, I think that's like the sort of point where we meet Selena to start with is she's just angry and she just wants it to definitely. fight with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and she's got like that sort of demeanour about her. She's like harsh. She's been like, you know, forced to become like violent and stuff. And you, you kind well, of get that pharmacist the, the totally film, that's not that. her. That's not her character, is it? Yeah. It's at the end of the film you sort of start to see more of what Selena's really like. She's caring, she's kind, she's compassionate. She's, you know, she has got like some fire in her mm-hmm. and some fight. But yeah, they do kind of, they kind of like do like a little rotation around in their characters. They do. Yeah. yeah. For the record, we're both just waving our arms yeah, around, waving our <laughs> arms in circle motion, <laughs> <to> demonstrates <laughs> the character arcs. Do but yeah, you don't food. get that, do you? You don't get that on the first watch. No, it's no. only really when you you come back to it and you're looking for the for the subtext. But also, I would say the more you watch it, the more you get out of it. But mm-hmm. also, the more you watch it, the more nitpicking you do. I started nitpicking mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, Deserted London is is amazingly filmed. You know, it's yeah. it's an achievement in cinema. Where are all the bodies? Yeah, I know. Like, why, why is there not just like millions of dead bodies on the they street? Be everywhere. Yeah. I wondered how he was walking through London. Like, it's a great dramatic scene and it makes a real statement when he's walking through London. It's completely empty of people. Definitely. But surely there'd be like so many more infected people running around. Like, yeah, he, there's no so. way he could do that. I suppose they make the comment about travelling only during the day. So maybe the infected. Uh, don't like the sun. I don't know. Yeah, don't come out during the day, but there should be a lot of bodies about. There should be blood everywhere. Yeah, there should. So mm-hmm. yeah, and you start thinking about things like that, don't you? When you watch it a few times. Mm-hmm. Where's the military base supposed to be? This this gets me every time. This gets <laughs> yeah, me every time. This I've might be a northern the... thing. This maybe maybe if you watch it and you live in the south or anywhere outside you of tier three, time. you don't <laughs> uh, you don't have an issue. But um, they're, they're supposed to be. On the M602 north of Manchester. And the 20, siren. It says M602. I replayed this loads just to <laughs> hear exactly what it said on the radio. It says, we're based at, on the M602, 27 yeah. miles right. northeast of Manchester. Okay. 
What? Now, us being that... from around this neck of the woods knows that's impossible. Aren't they in Yorkshire then? At that, at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They're not well, on the M602. Like I don't know. Somewhere like that. Footnote: The town that's 27 miles northeast of Manchester is, of course, Halifax. From there, it's an 85-mile drive to Junction 32 of the M6, which doesn't go via the M602. But then, the <sighs> siren, the siren is yeah. at Junction M32 on the M6. Because oh. <laughs> there's a sign that's for Blackpool and Garstang. And I looked it up yeah. on Google Maps. It's like, how big yeah. is this barracks? It stretches from Leeds to uh, <laughs> somewhere around Preston via the M602. Yeah, but I mean, Danny Boyle is a local the lad. He should know better. Literally, it's, it's just like a tiny little bit of that connects like the 62, isn't it? It connects the two chunks of the it, 62. Yes. That's so right. the M602 doesn't even go anywhere near no, northeast no. Manchester. It doesn't, it's, no. It's over our neck of the woods. It it's, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that is, it's physically impossible. Yes. And then there's a signpost as well for Lancaster and the north. It's crazy. Well, I don't like, know where, where are they? I, yeah. I could forgive I could <laughs> forgive a director who is not from our neck of the woods. Yeah. But uh, no, must try harder, Danny Boyle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not happy about that. <laughs> Obviously, just like the look of the gantries there are better than... Uh, Clearly, yeah. Well, the, the, one, one of them, I think, is a set as well. I'm not sure oh, which. They did. They, they closed the motorway down uh, on a couple of occasions, but I think one of them is a set as well. Mm. So I, 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 none of that makes any sense, but, um, we, you know, you skip over it, don't you? you, you skip you to just, the end. <laughs> indeed, yeah. You, you just um, suspend your disbelief. So how yeah. how British is it? This is proper British this time. We we had a last month. We had a bit of a. We, it was a bit tenuous, but this month I think is about yeah. as British as you can get. Go on. I do you know what? I'm going to hold my hands up in true in true Betty fashion. Not done my homework. Um, <laughs> I have not assessed how British it is. Well, it was produced by DNA Films and the UK Film Council. Okay. And it was filmed, well, obviously, it's filmed in London and filmed mm. somewhere around the northwest in an undisclosed location. <laughs> um, and it's got an almost, almost, I think it, it must be, is it an entirely British cast? I think it, we could safely say it is. Yeah. yeah. So it's nearly, as, um, it's nearly as, as British as Downton Abbey. But yeah, it's getting there, isn't it? It's up there. It's up there with Hot Fuzz, I think. Yeah, it's definitely up there for a British film. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely an eight and a half. I've not done the um, I've not done the Richard Curtis uh, connection. Oh, yet. now I've got one. I've got one. I've got so how many degrees of Richard Curtis? Okay, yeah. so I've got two. I'm not quite sure how I count it, but two I think. So Brendan Gleeson, who's in everything, um, who plays Frank, yeah. he mm -hmm. also plays Knuckles McGinty in Paddington Two, which is a, a, <laughs> a fabulous film. A fabulous film. If you haven't yeah. seen it, who else is in Paddington Two? Hugh Grant. Oh, I'm going with this. Hugh Grant as the bad guy, Phoenix Buchanan. And of course, right. Hugh Grant was in Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral, which were directed by Richard Curtis. Well done. So two degrees of Richard Curtis. Very good homework. There we go. So yeah, it's pretty it's British. Not. It's pretty British. We're allowed. We're allowed. <laughs> so the rest of the cast. Now, this is hilarious. I've watched 
the uh, there's a little 25 minute making of a mm. mini doc on the DVD. I don't know if you, you saw it. And um, Danny Boyle said that he went for a cast of relative unknowns because he wanted it to be, you know, to, to get that realistic mm-hmm. uh, feeling that you yeah. wouldn't get if you use big stars. Well, of course, you know, at least a couple of the people in it have gone on to super mega stardom. Yeah, it's quite funny absolutely. when you look back at these relative unknowns, Killian Murphy and Naomi Harris are mm-hmm. pretty huge now. Oh, he's pretty good for that, Danny Boyle. Mm. Taking some like relatively unknown British actors and then basically giving them a, a leg up with his film. Definitely. You think of like train spotting cast and definitely stuff yeah, as well. Ewan McGregor. And yeah. Sunshine. Oh, Sunshine. Um Danny Boyle and Alex Garland did that five years after this, didn't they? They did. Um, that that's why and we'll get onto this later, but that's why they weren't involved very much with twenty eight weeks later. Ah, uh, right. Because they okay. were doing Sunshine, which is probably a you know, a good, a good thing. <laughs> a good decision, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, it's good that he used uh, unknown actors and actresses. Indeed, relatively yeah. unknown actors yeah. and actresses, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, of course, before he was Doctor Who. Uh-huh. Oh, is- Christopher Eccleston, he's such a good buddy. He really is. Because I was thinking he could only have done that before he played the Doctor, I think. I don't think... People yeah. would have been happy about that <laughs> if it had happened afterwards. Oh yeah. no, you can't do that. You can't be a bad guy. But yeah, he yeah. does do. He, he does a good bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, who's your MVP? Uh, I'm going to throw this one out there. Um, Hannah. Oh, okay. I'm feeling Hannah as an right. MVP. Yeah. I mean, I can see that there's good arguments for our sort of main stars as well. I think. The way the way she kind of like basically rescues everybody at the end by being a little <laughs> bit bonkers and a yeah. little bit stoned as well, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, think I love that bit. And I think, you know, without without Hannah, they'd all just, you know, spoiler alert, they'd all die. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Hannah MVP just for that moment where she kind of channels a dad. Yes. And uh, and goes a bit crazy in the taxi. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a first shout, definitely. Yeah. Has she been in any in anything else? Yeah, I had um I had a little research into into oh, the well girl that plays Hannah. Her name's yeah. Megan Burns and right. she kind of did one or two other little well, I say little, I don't know how big or little these films are yeah. or TV series because I've I've never heard of them. Um but she actually she's a scouser, yay! He is, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I heard her speak on the making of, and I thought, is anyone doing their own accent in this film? I know. I know. I thought, well, good on her. Yeah, she's like covering her accent really well. Really well. Um, she actually now fronts a goth pop band called Betty Curse. <laughs> well, and I will be checking them out. Later. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> that seems like fate. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's interesting. So good on her. But um, yeah, I think I I just, I love Hannah's character throughout the film as well. Like the way she just like truth bombs pretty much all the time. You know, she calls Selena out on on what she says earlier on in the film. She says, uh, you need us just as much as we need you. Definitely. You know, she winds that soldier up towards the end by, I mean, like again, she's on diazepam by the sounds of it. So she's a little bit non-compassmentous, but you know, she's winding that soldier up and it actually works quite well to distract them. 
definitely. So yeah, Hannah, she is my MVP. What about you? you make a, you, What's your re, yeah, you make a good argument. You make a good argument. My <laughs> thoughts, I've always loved this film because it's got the best pharmacist in film in it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. some would say the only, no, but there, there are other pharmacists in other films and none of them are as, as kick-ass as this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, apparently she had a whole backstory where she'd had to kill her parents because they were infected, but I just think she, she'd spent too long working in pharmacy, to be quite honest. You know, I just think uh, <laughs> every pharmacist yeah. understands that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Maybe that that's where the rage virus came from in the first place. It's <laughs> entirely possible, right? But I'm gonna I'm gonna do some nitpicking though. I'm gonna do some nitpicking. Okay. She's not a chemist. No pharmacists refer to themselves as chemists. Yeah. She says, "I qualified as a chemist." Yeah. I thought I've never in my life heard anyone say that. Yeah. Um, that's not a thing. And it- she, she implies that you don't need a prescription to get Valium if you're a chemist. That's not true, everybody. Dodgy. <laughs> Just yeah, exactly. Now, I'll not say that in an end-of-the-world scenario, you know, it would be possible to get some, you know, mm-hmm. once law and order are broken down and we're, you know, we're under martial law. But she implies that because she's a pharmacist, she can just get diazepam without a prescription. That is not true. That's definitely no, not true. Fact. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, also, no pharmacist ever would say Valium. It's not been Mm-mm. Valium for about 20 years, has it? That got discontinued a good well, long not, while ago. Not in this country anyway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not in this country. So it is, it's a very, it's a very, very small hill to die on, but I do always, <laughs> it, it upsets me when people don't do their research into, into pharmacists. Footnote. For the record, both Betty and Rita work in pharmacy. And no, we can't get you any diazepam. So, but no, I think she's got to be my MVP because she's just, she, I think it's about 38 minutes in when she dispatches Mark. Oh, it's brutal. My word, yes. Wow, she just like doesn't even think about no, it, does she? No. She's, she's, yeah, um, she is super. Yeah, she is. And obviously went on to, uh, to big things. Naomi Harris went on to big things in, uh, in the Bond franchise. So, uh, yeah. She also went on to big things when she became a literal humongous person in Pirates of the Caribbean 3. A literal humongous <laughs> person. I've kind of blocked Pirates of the Caribbean 3 out, but yes, you're yeah, quite right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. So, yeah, he does pick his, uh, he picks his relative unknowns pretty well, doesn't he? He does, definitely. Yeah, they tend to go on to megastardom. Mm-hmm. So, favourite scenes? Have we got any favourite scenes? Or did you just did you just hide from them all? Yeah, I think I just hid from them all. I don't even think I've written a favourite scene down. <laughs> the end, when it all ended, yeah. when it stopped. I liked it when it stopped. Yeah, when the plane flies over and sees the sign. <laughs> yeah, I <like> that bit. <laughs> I like, again, for the same reasons, I like the journey up and the picnic and the horses and all those nice little bits in between. Oh, it's lovely. No. Yeah, uh, it's really peaceful. That it is, it is. And like you said, the deserted London stuff is just striking, isn't it? It's iconic. Mm. So yeah. that's that's good. Uh, that's good stuff. I would say the least rewatchable scene, if that can be a category, um, is where Frank gets infected. That I was mine too. Watch it. I can barely watch it. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And every time you watch it, you're like, oh, not this bit. I don't know. I don't yeah. want to watch this bit. It's heartbreaking. That, 
That is my fast forward section. I've literally just put fast forward, Frank, frowny face. Yes, <laughs> I know. It really is. It's, it's, it's awful. You don't expect it either, do you? It's uh-uh. completely out of the blue. I know. It's so sad. Oh, it's when he, t- when he says to Hannah, I love you. And then she tries to give him a hug and he's like, get away from me. And he oh, just sorry. instantaneously starts like changing. It's like, oh no. I suppose this leads into another slightly nitpicky moment, which is that tiny drop of blood infects him. Uh-huh. And yet when when um, when Selena goes crazy eight bonkers on Mark, there's <laughs> blood everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. You'd think you'd be a bit more careful. You'd try and find a, a, a weapon other than a machete, I guess, to try and dispatch them with. Yeah, you would think so. You'd think, I mean, you'd have to, maybe she's just got her eyes really tightly screwed up and her mouth shut. Maybe, yeah. maybe. That's probably how I would try and dispatch uh, infected, not zombies. Uh, yeah. To be fair, yeah, eyes closed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not too nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Ugh. But, yep. yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's just a nitpick. It's just a nitpick. But, yeah, you do sometimes think, yeah, that sure, well, there's no way they would get away without getting infected when and, um, one tiny little drop of blood turns from. Well, yeah, I was thinking something similar at the end when... Um, Jim finally breaks back into the house and finds Selena and they have the sort of romantic moment. Yes. And, yeah, like they're kissing each other, but Jim's covered in blood. Yes. And it's like he's been been near infected. He's like, surely she should be saying, hold on a second, mate, get that blood washed off you and then I'll give you a kiss. Yeah, 20 seconds, soap and water, sing happy birthday, then we can, you know... (laughs) Then we'll talk. Yeah, I think yeah. it's maybe because we're in a post-COVID society that we're getting a little bit more paranoid about this. But, maybe, uh, maybe. But, yeah, you're right. And on the commentary, they, they actually mentioned uh, specifically that scene because mm-hmm. they said they kept telling Killian Murphy to put his hands down because he has his hands on her face when he's right. kissing her. And they, they pointed out that he should really have his thumbs full of grue at that yeah. point. So, yeah. you know, yeah, so a little bit of continuity issue. Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah you're right i think if i had to pick if i was if i had to pick a favorite scene legitimately it probably would be like jim's rampage back through the house this brings me on to is it a bit far-fetched this is genuinely the next line which yeah this is the hollywood moment it really is because let's not forget he's a motorcycle courier and oh, he, he you know turned... when he said he's a bike courier? Oh, no, he is. No, I you're thought, right. I thought he was a cyclist. No, he is. <laughs> he is. He is. No, you're quite right. He is. Sorry, my mistake. No, he is. He's a bike. He's a, he's a, he's a pedal cyclist. <laughs> What's I mean, the he name? Specify. He says a bike courier. But he... I just thought, I, I instantly thought, like, on a bicycle. But it could no, have it been is. on a motorbike. It's not. It is on a bicycle because uh, of one of the deleted scenes. Shows him on a bicycle. So, yeah, it's not a motorbike, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, he's not uh, he's not a, a, an action hero. No, he rides a bike, and then he turns into Bruce Willis essentially at the end, <laughs> doesn't he? In, in well, the yeah, like Liam minutes. Neeson, Wolf Puncher. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Liam Neeson, Soldier Infected Puncher. <laughs> he does, he does, and I think that's done. It's done deliberately, isn't it? That they're making him look as if he's infected with rage, yeah. and in mm-hmm. one way he is. He's infected. Yeah. He's infected in inverted commas. Yes. With with rage in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, but it is a little. I'm not having really that he'd be able to take on all those people. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not convinced that he would. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe like trauma, such trauma and anger at everything that's been going on. You know, maybe it does become that disturbed that it gets like some kind of crazy adrenaline boost. And, yeah. And I mean, he kind of, he's doing it all on a bit of a wing and a prayer, isn't he? He's kind of yes. like burning the house down. He's like, Do you know what? I'd rather us all potentially die. Yeah. Then you soldiers do what you're going to do to Selena and yes. Hannah. So yeah. he's, he's burning the house down. So maybe, you know, you'd have a go, I guess. I guess so, yeah. In that situation, maybe you would. Yeah. But, it, but I mean, yeah, he kills, he kills, is it, jo- I can't think of the guy who plays him, but he's been in some other stuff. Um, Jones, he kills him in cold blood. He's not even infected. <laughs> I mean, he, he can't cook. He makes a terrible omelette, but that's no, that's no reason to stick him with a bayonet. You know, like, I wanted eggs. I'm <laughs> oh, yeah, he suddenly, he just, he loses it, doesn't he? Maybe he was really hangry. Maybe he was. <laughs> um, I think that the taxi through the tunnel as well is, is uh-huh. very far-fetched. All, all, yeah, all I kept thinking when I watched that bit, though, like especially on these rewatches, is that's something my dad'd do. <laughs> <laughs> like he would just do something that's stupid. Are you seatbelts on? <laughs> Come on, yeah. we're going through. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's clearly not going to end well. Why on earth yeah. would you do that? Yeah. But um, yeah, it, you know, I, I don't know. It, yeah, that's it. Kind of makes me love Frank more though. The fact that he's that mad that he'd try that. Definitely. Yeah. But that scene is tense. It is. Oh, it's so yeah. tense. When, yeah. I mean, I'm a fan of Formula One, mm-hmm. and I have seen some seriously fast tyre changes. <laughs> <laughs> and seriously under pressure yeah. tyre uh, changes. But I I would challenge the, the Red Bull team or Ferrari yeah. team to do a tyre change with a load of infected running at you, Definitely. as well as Hannah managed to do that one. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It is. It's a little far-fetched, but... Very far-fetched. It's, yeah, it's fun, isn't it? That's the first time you see lots of infected, isn't uh-huh. it, running. And which brings us on to uh, one of our favourite subjects. Uh, I love, love to hate subjects, I think. Is there any running? Oh. Yes. Too much running. Too much running. <laughs> and it's the first... Because, as you've said, like neither of us are massive, massive horror fans. Uh-huh. So, and I've, I'm definitely not one for watching zombie films mm-hmm. um, as a rule. So are these the first zombies in cinema that run, or have, have think, we had running zombies previously? I think so, yes. Again, I, I feel a footnote coming on. Footnote. Obviously, we're wrong about this. There was a fast-ish zombie in George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, but it's the 1980 Italian zombie film Nightmare City that featured the first proper running zombies, followed by many other Italian zombie films. Who knew that was a genre? It must be all the pasta that makes them run so fast. I think when now when they remade Dawn of the Dead, I think mm-hmm. they were running zombies. But that was after this. That was later. That, yeah. yeah. I feel like 28 Days Later introduced the running yes, zombie. I think so. Train to Busan as well, which uh-huh. is the... Oh, dear. I was going to say Korean. 
But then that's just going to mark me out as, as a, a know-nothing when, when I figure out where Busan is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, that foreign film. <laughs> that foreign film. Yes. They're running zombies in that in, the, in Train to Busan. Uh, and there's a sequel to that coming out soon. But, yeah, oh. I think you're right in saying that prior to this, there were no running zombies. I'll say zombies. They're not really, but I'll say zombies. Uh, I'll give you some confirmation. Busan is Korean. Yes. It's in Korea. You're fine. Very good. I thought it was. I thought it was. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been done since, but probably uh-huh. not before, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thanks for those nights with Dan Boyle. I'll tell you what's really depressing. They all run faster than me. Yeah. And then it made me I think, mean, you know, are there any slow infected? Does the virus make you run faster? Or do the fast zombies, zombies, do the fast infected people... <laughs> Just eat the slow infected people. Is it like survival of the fastest? I don't know. That's a very good thought. <laughs> These are the things yeah. you think when you watched it too many times. They're really yeah. fast. They are really fast. They all seem to run at a similar speed as well. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Great unanswered questions. Yeah. Yeah. Want to ask Danny Boyle when we or Alex Garland if we ever got the chance? Yes, definitely. Yeah, maybe rage. Makes you run fast. Mm-hmm. Adrenaline, I suppose. Yeah. Would make you run fast. So, yeah, maybe it's all part of the same condition. Yeah, but, it, I mean, adrenaline doesn't make us all run at the same speed, though. No, that is true. Yeah, that's true. And it still makes some people able to run faster than others. Yeah. It looks good, though, doesn't it? looks good It does. Film. It looks impressive. Yeah. yeah, swarms of them. Yeah, all running. Sure is there any running? Is there any good food? There's not much good food in this one, is there? Maltesers. Yes, lots of Maltesers. <laughs> lots uh, of, a lot of Pepsi. Do you think there was any product placement uh, involved yeah, in this film? There's a absolutely. lot of Pepsi. Yeah. And uh, Terry's Chocolate Orange gets a mention as well. That's true, yeah. So I think there's got to be some sponsorship going on there. Maybe they provided the crew with, like, Pepsi and Maltesers and Terry's Chocolate Orange, Terry's so Chocolate they were like, Orange. we'll give you a name drop in the film. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something about, the, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't want there to be any kind of outbreak of a terrible zombie-like virus um, mm-hmm. that means that we, we get to go and uh, do a supermarket sweep. But <laughs> there's something about the idea of just going around an empty supermarket and just getting whatever you want. That's actually that's yeah. quite a nice bit of the film. I should have put that down as a, a rewatchable part. <laughs> I like that because I just like the idea of just going, oh, we'll have this and we'll have that. And that's yeah. kind of what they do, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that would be quite fun. I mean, especially at the moment, if you could just get an empty supermarket, that would be so much nicer. Exactly, yeah, just a packet <laughs> of pasta. You know, that would be, uh, be good. Uh, uh-huh. and I, like the, I like the irradiated apples. Oh, because yeah. they're still, uh, they're still completely fresh at the end of the film. They're, still, they're in the kitchen um, oh, at the very end of the film. <laughs> yeah, and the only thing that's not dead or decaying is the irradiated apples. Nice. So, yeah, I quite like them. <laughs> and I think that's the only thing that I've put down as favorite as one of my favorite lines. And can you use them in real life? Mm, irradiated. <laughs> I think that's it. I can't think. Of, do you have any favorite lines? Well, I, yeah, I do have some favorite lines. Um, <laughs> Jim asking, "What about the government? What did they do?" Selena, <laughs> there is no government. <laughs> Papa made me belly laugh. Yes. Oh, it's just like, oh, yeah, this is very, um, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
like yeah we'll not get too political but i don't yeah. suppose i can use that in everyday phrases in everyday life though probably um, not unfortunately yeah there's another one but it's far too sweary <laughs> <laughs> it is quite sweary um, and I'm scared if I try and repeat it and bleep out the sweary bits, I'll probably just bleep the wrong bit and say something <laughs> inappropriate. So I'm not going to go there. But if you watch it, if you she watch it, you'll know the line. <laughs> it's from the, one of the soldiers when they're taking on all the zombies running across the uh, oh my the lawn. yeah, I know exactly the uh, the soldier that you mean. And what a horrible, horrible character he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very he's, good he's actor because nasty. you just hate him, don't you? He's just horrible. Yeah. He's foul mouthed. He's mm -hmm. just nasty. Just a nasty yeah. piece of work. But that yeah. line in particular—it just did make me chuckle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, <laughs> that's that's not one for the podcast. No, but he's—he uh, obviously gets his comeuppance, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. Yes, and that's my fast forward or check your social media moment. Yeah, because the thing with the eyes, I don't even know how you, how does a person learn to do that? How does a person learn that Is there that's much to learn? a method to kill someone with? Is it the shock? Would it be the shock really that killed you with know. that? I really don't know. Because, uh, yeah, I, I thought he was just basically just doing it just to <laughs> incapacitate him. Maybe. I don't know. And then the shock, the shock of that might make you pass out or maybe but kill you. I don't know. I believe I'll come back to this, but um, I I believe because I read the IMDb um, synopsis of Twenty Eight Weeks Later because I couldn't be bothered to watch it again. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and um, someone is killed in a similar manner in that, right? Which is a bit of a callback. <clears throat> so yeah, I think he does kill him. Oh right, um, okay. It's just a, it's a, it's a horrible thing, isn't it? It's horrible. Yeah, I can't what a watch way to it. Yeah, I just can't watch it. I have to look away now. The first yeah. time was kind of like, oh my, you were kind of watching in morbid fascination, but I just can't <laughs> watch it. I have to look away at that point. Yeah, I think it's um, yeah, it's one of those that if um, when I watch it again, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I might just go and just look elsewhere for a second, you know. I don't think there's any other real fast forward or check your social media moments. It doesn't drag at any point, I don't think. Oh no. No, it's like it's all on the go, isn't it? It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good rewatcher. Like let's go on from um from people being uh potentially murdered uh, via eyeballs to can you watch it with your mum? Yeah, I I'd, I would say no. I would say no. Yeah, I, mean, I, would, you know, I don't think my mum would enjoy this full stop. We're obviously talking about a, a standard mum, aren't we? Yeah. You know, yeah. There are many different types of mums, but we're talking about a standard mum here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's, there's lots of violence and lots of gore and lots of bad language. Yes. And there's some naked Killian Murphy as well. Yeah, there's quite a lot of naked Killian Murphy. There I is, I forgot yeah. how much naked Killian Murphy there is. Yeah, I don't know. Depend depends your mum's take on Killian Murphy, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> still don't <laughs> think not... it would uh, make it a rewatchable for uh, <clears throat> a, a, a watchable film for my mum. Probably not. No. Um, so you can't really watch it with your mum. Uh -uh. Is it a mo movie? I think we've got ourselves a mo movie. Uh, yeah, I kind of got excited about this. Yeah, I mean. The, the Mo movie sort of setup is that it's, is it two lines of 
dialogue between or some dialogue. I don't know. They just have to have women. a co- yeah. They have to have a conversation that is not about a man. Yeah, sure definitely a mo movie then. It yeah. is. Yeah. They they have a conversation. Selena and Hannah have a conversation. Uh, they have a conversation about Valium for a start. They do. Uh, which isn't They're playing great. cards together and kind of seem to be chatting to each other in the back of the taxi. They are, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yay! Danny Boyle Yay! and Alex Garland gives them a movie. Yeah, so even though there are really only two female characters, mm-hmm. they have tons of agency. Um, mm-hmm. Like you say, Hannah basically saves the day. Yeah. And arguably... Um, Jim wouldn't be alive. He wouldn't make it out of London without Selena. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think it's a definite more movie. I think it's great. Champion in more. Yeah, we <laughs> have one. We have a we have a, a, a movie that passes the Bechdel test. And you wouldn't think so. This is the funny thing, isn't it? That from the outset you might think, oh, it's a bit macho and, and gory and whatnot. And you wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily think of it as being, you know, you wouldn't think of it being a feminist text, would you? At first no, glance. usually in this instance, you've got a, a token female character or two in it, and that's all they are. They're there to get in trouble, potentially be rescued. Exactly. You know. And even though they, they are vulnerable towards the end of the film, yeah, um, they still they still have some control over the situation, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, Selena sends the. Um, uh, sends a soldier out of the room and you know says yeah. you need to get changed and whatnot mm-hmm. you know she they're still controlling that situation to some degree yeah 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 i think they're great so yeah we have a mo movie strong female characters yay Absolutely. yeah yeah um next up soundtrack oh the soundtrack by john murphy that particular Gee. track that track you know, that track, track. Um, in in the house in a heartbeat, it's called, uh, and I think I it was on a you. it was on a car advert, not long after the film came out. Really? Yeah, the, and the car advert scared the life out of me because it just, I was just made me think. Say, of the I'm film. not sure yeah. I've been inspired to buy that car. <laughs> it can't have been a very good ad- advert because I can't remember what type of car it was. But yeah, it was. It was uh, it was used in a car advert. I'll research that. Footnote. It was the advert for the Peugeot 206 GTI 180. Terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, it's very, very atmospheric, isn't it? It's absolutely belting piece of music. Yeah, really I love is. it. And I, I mean, just flipping to another film for a second, it's used in Kick-Ass as well. Oh, it is? Yeah, and yes, another awesome, awesome burn the house down moment. Yeah. Yeah. When when uh, Nicolas Cage, Big Daddy's going on his rampage. Yeah. Now you've made me want to rewatch that. I know. It's just such a kick-ass piece of music. It, it really is. And, yeah. and both of those scenes, like 28 Days Later and Kick-Ass, yeah. just use it like so well. It's the way it builds. Yeah. I think particularly in 28 Days Later, as soon as those first couple of notes come in, you just mm-hmm. know, especially if, it, if it's a rewatch, yeah. you just know, oh, here we go. Here we yeah. go. It's all this kicking off. It's all now. kicking off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Such a good piece of music. Um, and then you've got the couple of hymns as well. Abide uh-huh. with me. I mean, that's that's emotional. That's an emotional song. Oh. The best of times, isn't yeah. it? It is. And but in that scene when Jim's going back to his house, yeah, 
to sort of find his parents and and you know fine well that what he's going to find and mark and selena have tried to put him off doing that yeah you know oh it's so heartbreaking and and that heard was like in finding the picture of him and with the message written on the back from his mum saying we're sleeping with you now don't wake up yeah oh don't wake up i know it's chilling it is it is yeah but it's a proper you know is there a bit of dust in here or, or is it me yeah. moment, isn't it? <laughs> it's really sad but it's really um, oh it's really chilling as well it's quite it's hard so hitting. did you know as well when i listened to the commentary that the bodies of his parents are all prosthetic no i didn't it, know that wow. yeah the prosthetic work on this film is absolutely amazing that looks incredible yeah wow yeah they are very mm-hmm. impressive just as an aside um, um, but yeah, I think Ave Maria as well is uh, is is in the film later on. So yeah, there's not there aren't there's no kind of jukebox soundtrack like in like no. in other films. But um, but yeah, I think the soundtrack does really add to it. Yeah, Without it's not, it's it, not it like a soundtrack you'd listen back to for some nostalgia. No, definitely not. No, but it but, certainly um, sets I, the scene. I like the first few notes you get at, sort of earlier on in the film as well. Yeah. Um, when the sound, like, because the rest of the film's like completely sort of soundtrack free up until yeah. Jim starts to wander through London, and is sort of starting to realise, like, hold on, there's like some bad, like, you know, something's happened. Yeah. What's going on? He finds the notice board with yes. all like the missing photos and messages on, and and the music sort of building again, like it, it does in the house. Yeah, it's building and building and building, and it just becomes like just like almost overwhelming noise you're just it's... waiting for something to jump out aren't you you know yeah, because kind of, of a horror you're film like, brace, brace, brace. yeah <laughs> definitely yeah, yeah it's, it's so really well creepy. done it's, it's very good use of soundtrack and i think going back to um favorite lines um not necessarily a favorite line but the part where selena is is talking to jim when they're on the picnic and she said you're thinking about you'll never listen to a piece of music there's mm. no that that hasn't already been written and you'll yeah. never read a book that's not been written and you'll never watch a film that hasn't been shot mm-hmm. and you think oh my i mean yeah. we're almost in those times now aren't we it's not quite <laughs> it's like not, not quite far. yeah i find myself watching netflix and going oh when's the third season of that coming out oh oh it, it's not yeah. <laughs> because they're not filming it so you kind of understand in a, in a way mm-hmm. what they're talking about there's a Christmas tune going on at some point. I can't even oh, remember what it is. Oh, that's right. Frosty the Snowman. Apparently, Frosty that the was the most was expensive. Uh, that that was the greatest expense on the entire film. Was getting You're clearance for Frosty the Snowman. Apparently so. They blew apparently a petrol so. station up. That was <laughs> 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 Frosty the Snowman. Frosty the Snowman got more. Crazy. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was the most expensive piece of music, but uh, yeah, the Frost of the Snowman apparently yeah cost an astronomical amount of money to clear. Wow. So I would have thought it was out of copyright. Probably maybe yeah, Danny Boyle also thought, thought it was out of copyright. <laughs> but yeah, interesting. Yeesh. And just just the, the the sound design as well as well as the soundtrack, the sound design, the noises that the infected make. Um, yeah. I mean, especially the, the you know the the eyes scene that we've already discussed. If yeah. you turn the sound down on that, I don't think it will be as distressing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the noises, the it's sounds like, that they, yeah, it's just horrible. Gurgling. Yeah, 
<laughs> just the yeah, just the, the the sounds that they make. It's just yeah, uh, real very very good foley work. Yeah, pretty gross, <laughs> nasty. Other film references. Now we've already said that we don't do horror, so we're going to uh -huh. let ourselves down with this, aren't we? I'm sure there are yes. many many references to other zombie films that we haven't seen. Yeah. I'll be I'll be honest. The only other zombie film that I have watched and and I also love, but again, it terrifies me, is Zombieland. Oh yeah, and there oh, is a goodness. bit in Zombieland that harks back to Twenty Eight Days Later, where oh, really? they go into the supermarket and, yes. and go like kind of helping themselves. Yeah. Oh, the Twinkies, um, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're on the Twinkie hunt. Yeah. yeah. They're on the Twinkie hunt. Yeah. I yeah. I'm not sure if. Um, if there's any other references in 28 Days Later to stuff. The um, the, the supermarket scene, um, I think that's from Dawn of the Dead. So I think oh, that's from, right. uh, yeah, from the original. That's from okay. back in the day. So, yeah, that's quite a, a zombie trope, apparently. Uh, I don't know my zombie history. Mm -mm. Um, the bit, I know this is really random, but the bit where he goes into the petrol station and, um, and he, he kills the infected little boy... I know, like you say, it's really kind of visceral and it's a turning point for the character and, uh, you know, very sombre and he comes yeah. out a different person. But the only thing that it reminds me of is um, the little boy in, in, uh, in The Lost Boys and um, when, they, when they finally, in the big fight at the end, when they finally see him change into a vampire and, and the Frog Brothers, uh, I'll censor myself. Um, a holy bird song, it's the attack of Eddie Munster. <laughs> that every time I see that little boy, it just makes me think of uh, of that bit in the Lost Boys, that bit. <laughs> which I'm sure isn't a, uh, you know an intentional reference, but it makes me laugh. Yeah, um, the, the bit in the, uh, the in the last scene where everything's kicking off in the house, uh, in the mirror where Hannah's behind the mirror, and Ooh, uh, yeah. that makes me think of Alien. I know you're not a massive Alien fan because of the group. Yeah, you'll have to remind but me. Which just that the... iconic scene where you always see. Uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver and the and the creature oh, and the kind of face to face, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, oh yeah, um, it's like that. yeah. So it kind of makes me think of that again. I don't know if that's intentional or if I'm just seeing things that aren't there. Mm -hmm. um, and it reminded me of not not necessarily um, not necessarily films, but but books as well. So um, like I Am Legend, the book, not the <laughs> not the film, um, yeah. where they're experimenting on Mailer and they're trying to figure out, you know systematically what how long is the lifespan of the virus and and you yeah. know these kinds of things it kind of made me think of things like uh, i am legend um incidentally again I gleaned this from the the commentary mm -hmm. there is a little continuity error um oh. where the actor that plays mailer yeah is actually one of the soldiers that opens the gate for them at the beginning when they uh, when they get to the house Right. But they liked him so much and thought he was such a good actor that then they upgraded him to become infected mailer. Oh, and they, right, they okay. kind of forgot that he'd already been filmed yeah. earlier on in the film. So it's the uh -huh. same actor, if you, if you pay attention. <laughs> That's quite funny. Nice. But yeah, the kind of experimentation. And, and then that whole trope about being rescued, but you're not rescued. Yeah. You know, you think, you think you're out, but actually... You're worse off than yeah, you thought. Yeah. Out of the frying pan, into the fire. I, there must be so many films where that happens and none of them come to mind. But Watership Down 
Um, I know that was a film, but in the book, you know, th- there's a bit where they all they think they've found somewhere perfect, and it turns mm-hmm. out it's not. I'm just I'm listening to um, End of the World Running Club right. um, while I'm running, which is the worst decision <laughs> I ever made. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's got a, a, a part in it like that where they think they've been rescued, and yeah. no, turns out they've they've gone somewhere that's worse than they were to start with. It's not a bad book, just uh, as an aside. But there's mm-hmm. an awful lot of end of the world before you get to the running club. It's not oh, something okay. that you should really be uh, maybe reading at this point in time. Lessons learned from this then is if we ever become, if we ever find ourselves in an apocalyptic situation, anyone that's claiming to be salvation, run the other way. Run, yes, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. What you mean, like yeah. if we ever find ourselves in the grasp of an international pandemic? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Just run the other way to anybody claiming that they have got the answer, answer to it. They've got it under control. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, could it start a franchise? Do we need a prequel or sequel? We'll live in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no. I think most people would have said it didn't need a sequel. Yeah. But some, some, I don't think it needed a sequel. Some bean counters seem to think it did need a sequel. Um, yeah. So we got one. Which Have you seen it? Have you seen 28 Weeks Later? No, I've not. Partly because of my fear of um, zombie slash infected people yeah. films. And, yeah, I mean, I feel like if they were, you know, they did Train Spotting 2 and it was like years after the original. Yes, yeah. It would have been more interesting to do, well, 28 years later or something yeah. maybe you know where you know jim and selene have got the lives sorted you know everything's hunky-dory and then yes. something similar starts to happen again yeah and it brings all the terror and the ptsd and stuff back but you know they kind of know how to sort of handle themselves first time around hopefully they'll be okay second time around that might have been a bit more interesting it might have been but, yeah I, I, I mean, I what is the premise for 28 weeks later? I, I mean, I, I understand, like, up. the basic premise, but... Yeah, is, I had to look it up set? because I have seen it and I had no recollection of what happened in it at <laughs> all, which, I mean, to be fair, I've got a terrible memory. But, uh, no, it certainly didn't stick with me. I think the premise is that some people are immune, so um, they're carrying the virus, but right. they're not exhibiting symptoms... So they think that it's been eradicated, but in actual fact, it hasn't. Oh. Uh, it's kind of dormant. I think it starts out with a, a character whose wife is supposed to be, is thought to be dead, but then she's not, and it reawakens the virus. I, you know what? I read the synopsis only days ago, and I still can't remember what <laughs> happened in it. That's how, you know, it doesn't really, none of it adds up. There's no need no. for it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's all just more of the same. A lot of running, a lot of blood. Um, yeah. No need for it. I think it was just a, an economic decision rather mm-hmm. than an artistic one. Footnote. 28 Days Later made a profit of $77 million. 28 Weeks Later made a slightly lower profit of $50 million. Still quite a lot. Maybe the bean counters were right. I think Alex Garden did the final polish on the script, but other right. than that, it wasn't any you know wasn't the original 
mm-hmm. cast wasn't the original director writer so yeah but it seems that as recently as last year danny boyle and alex garland were discussing 28 months later mm. maybe okay. another one now if they've got a hand in it it might be as you say it might be a more interesting premise yeah but then uh, yeah 28 months later now you wouldn't be able to use your same like original cast i suppose would you no that's true yeah which is yeah, a bit of a shame, go... really it would yeah 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 you'd have to go for a completely different set of people i suppose Mm. But then uh, maybe yeah, they could launch the careers of some new upcoming British uh, maybe they could. actors. Yeah, maybe they could. So, um, that would yeah. be all right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting idea, anyway. It's yeah. got to be better than the second. I think the second one got kind of decent reviews. I just uh, genuinely just didn't stick with me at all. Just a disappointment, I think, after the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you set the standard high. Yeah. So I think our last question is, um, is it COVID safe? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not it really isn't it's funny oh, I, wa- I, I watched the making of documentary on the dvd and it's about 25 minutes long and the first 10 minutes of it i kid you not is actually about um could this happen could this kind of thing actually happen you know yeah. what's the likelihood of there being like an international pandemic and lots uh-huh. of talking heads from all over the place from new scientist magazine and Oxford University all saying, yeah, we're, we're, we're way too complacent with our use of antibiotics. Oh. Um, you know, the, the risk of infection has never been higher. Um, mm. You know, this is very, very likely that we will have some kind of global pandemic at some yeah. point and we need to be prepared. Yeah. Um, which, wow, just seems a little bit like skirmongering, like... I suppose, 18 years ago. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> Strangely prescient now. It is indeed. Yeah. Oof. So the, at least at least in the film there's lots of social distancing because there's no one around. Yeah. <laughs> well, coming back to what we were talking about earlier with all the blood spatter and things, yeah. it's not COVID safe in that sense. Really not, I mean, no. When you first meet Selena and Mark, they've both got, um, like, the faces covered and they've got goggles on. They have, yeah. And all that sort of stuff. But then, like you said, when Selena kills Mark, she's just like, doof, you know, cutting yeah. away, blood spattering everywhere. You know, where's your visor? Where's your face mask, girl? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they do kind of, they change the rules, don't they, quite early on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, there's rules changing all the time. So it is quite mm. up to date. It's quite contemporary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, deserted London does look quite a lot like like lockdown yeah, it does actually yeah because you, when you you know months ago you used to go out those of us that were going to work and there was nobody about mm-hmm. it was quite uh quite like yeah, it that. was really eerie driving to work like back in april and there's yeah. like nobody else on the road definitely it was, it was very much 28 days later <laughs> it really was yeah you thought has there been some kind of announcement have i missed it <laughs> <laughs> do i need to turn around and run back into the house and lock the door quick? <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and the the horses, I thought on the way, but when they go on, when they go on the picnic, yeah. and uh, they see the horses, that reminded me. Did you see that footage of the goat in Landudno during yes. lockdown? It just reminded yeah. me of that. All the you know the nature Pretty coming in the town. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That made me think of that. Apparently, that I, I didn't really realise it was made. Twenty eight days later, it was made just after the foot and mouth crisis. Oh, 
Um, right. I'm sure it wasn't as a result of, I don't think it was influenced by yeah. it, but it just was coincidentally made around about that time. So mm -hmm. I suppose people watching it then would have had the foot and mouth crisis in the mind. Yeah. Um, and then if you watch it now, you, there's not a moment of it, I don't think, that you're not thinking about COVID. Yeah. So it's interesting how films change depending when you're watching them. Yeah. When, when the set yeah. You bring your own sort of thing to it, don't you? You do. Yeah, definitely. But they get rescued at the end. Happy days. So, uh, well, yeah. we assume they do. <laughs> we assume they do. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a there's an alternate ending. Are you aware of the alternate ending? I've heard of an alternate ending. I can't remember what it was about, though. It, it's, it's not much of... Well, I suppose it's a massive change in one sense, but it's not a narrative... Not a big narrative change. Um, but mm -hmm. Jim dies in the alternate ending. Right. So they take okay. him to the hospital and it shows you that there's a deleted scene, which is, oh, goodness, it's a couple of minutes long, where they take him into the hospital and they're working on him and then he doesn't make it. And it's oh. funny because there's literally only about five seconds of that scene that is in the actual film with the original ending. Right. Which is just the bit where Selena's drawing up something into a syringe and then uh -huh. where she's doing CPR on him. Um, and then obviously it cuts to where he wakes up. Mm -hmm. But it just shows you when you watch something like that, it shows you how important editing is. Because they filmed that whole scene and then decided, yeah, yeah we're going to completely yeah. change the outcome and we're just going to take this and we're just going to take that and we're going to make it look completely different. Mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, just made me think about how editing, it's all in the edit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad it's got a happy ending as well. Definitely. Yeah. I, I like the ending as it is. I, I would be less inclined to watch it. To watch it again. I think that's yeah. why they changed it. They did. I don't think it was to do with a, a... There was no kind of focus group or anything. I think it was mm -hmm. purely um, the makers of the film just going, we can't do this. This is, a grim, yeah. this is grim enough without yeah. killing off the main character. Um, yeah, absolutely. But there is just like a little... Um, there's a deleted scene, which is just Hannah and Selena in the cottage at the end uh, right but the same thing oh. happens the the you know the, the plane comes over and you assume yeah. that they get rescued at the end of it mm -hmm. but uh yeah it's interesting nice so i think we've i think we've covered everything so yeah. um we, we should have apologized at the beginning for out for the uh potential terrible sound quality uh, <laughs> well just for the potential terrible quality of the podcast but in particular <laughs> oh, well, we've got to we've got to upsell ourselves <laughs> we should, yeah no always under promise and over deliver oh, okay. that's the okay thing. Uh, but yeah of course we're doing this on zoom because we're we're locked up in tier three aren't we mm -hmm. um, we are yeah so boo. yeah <laughs> boo indeed boo. <gasps> We're locked oh. up 27 miles northeast of Manchester. We are. <laughs> or potentially somewhere on the M6. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely in the north. So, uh, so yeah, so we're, we're, we're doing this over Zoom. So hopefully next month we'll be able to be back in person again. That would be so nice. Yeah. Let's yeah. hope so. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Yeah, and then I don't have to sit here eating my own Christmas cake. I'll be able to eat whatever nice treats you've baked <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a plan it's uh it'll be it'll be bonfire toffee next oh month. nice yeah yeah bonfire toffee. Ooh, what film could we possibly be planning on Ooh, next oh i don't know oh that's an interesting little trailer there we should, go should we um should, should we leave them in suspense 
Absolutely.